Welcome to another message of hope from Gateway Church Australia. For more information or to contact us, please visit gateway.asn.au. Good morning. Good morning. That's it. My name's Mark, if I haven't met you yet. Um, let's have a look at those, what that incident and have a look at it through the scriptures again and then we'll dive deep into it a little bit more. Let's, let me just walk you through the scriptures here. The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. And when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. And then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples, his mates, heard him say it. And on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you've made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him. For they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. And when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. And in the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Hey, mate, have a look. The fig tree you cursed has withered. What would you call this incident? If you had to write a title and you were up here, what, what would you call it? I'm calling on your outline if you want to pull that out. Fig tree religion. Fig tree religion. Let me explain that. What we've just seen there is like a sandwich. And it took me uh, a, few, a little while to work that out because I'm a bit of a dopey male. Is that Jesus approaches a fig tree that's supposed to be healthy and he passes judgment on it. He moves on to the worship area, assesses it, passes judgment, middle of the sandwich. And then he closes out the sandwich with the bottom half, passes by that fig tree, what's happened to it along the way. So it's like, it's like a fig uh, tree sandwich is what I'm calling it. We could almost make fig tree sandwiches and sell them out here at the cafe out here. And if we put smashed avocados in for another three bucks, we could make a killing, throw in a toilet roll on the other hand, for $100, and we are absolutely spinning with money for PNG along the way. Josh, they're a quiet crowd this second service. They're quite, well, I'll work on them here. Let's dig, now let's, let's look at, at that incident. Let's look at the top half of the sandwich again and just walk with me through this. Think about it. Jesus approaches the fig tree and the fig tree looks healthy, which it was. It's out of season, but it should have started to have some buds by now. And Jesus has got his mates with him. Remember that point. His mates are with him and he sees there's no buds on it. So he passes judgment on the fig tree in front of his disciples. Because what he's saying to them, it's all front, no food. And then he takes his disciples, his mates, into the worship area with the same attitude. Let's see, let's dig deeper there and see what, what we can pull out of that. Let's have a look at this. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. 
He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. Underline that part that I've just read out. Just underline it or circle it. Stay with me on that and let's work this through a bit. So Jesus is in the temple area and he sees that what happens uh, in that courtyard area is people would come there with their small animals or doves and they would pay money to the priest to get those offerings purified and then they would be offered up to God as, as sacrifice, as a symbolic sacrifice. So people who lived in uh, nations or countries wider out probably didn't bring their animals or their doves with them because that was a long, long way. So when they got into the courtyard area, they would go to the seller's tables and buy a couple of doves. So back home, those doves may have cost a few dollars. You go up to the seller's table and say, oh, I've pulled out my $10 just to make sure it all covers it. And so can I please have two doves? They go, oh, we don't recognise your money. We only recognise temple money. Oh, what do I do? You go to the exchange tables, switch that over and come back and see us. No problem. So I turn around and take a few steps. And there, further on in the other part of the courtyard area, are all the four big banks. There's the four big banks and each has got an ATM, credit cards for sale, even though I've already got ten of them. And around them is all the card tables with the exchange uh, people. So I go up to a table and I say, oh, here's, um, can I please exchange this? for? Um, I've got to go and get a couple of doves. And they go, oh, well, what you're going to need is a lot more than t- your $10. Really? Oh, yeah, you're going to need 100 of your dollars. Really? Yep. Oh, okay. So I give out $100. They give me the temple money. I walk back to the seller's table ready to buy a couple of doves and then they go, yep, now you know that's not enough but that, they said, no, 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 no. That's just the exchange rate costs. Now we've got to add our margin. Oh, so what do I do? You go back, put some more money in and then come back and see us, we'll do a deal. So what was $2 back home and you've even brought $10 to get a couple of doves could end up costing you hundreds of dollars. It was a racket. The bling boys with their brilliant white teeth were selling all this and making a fortune. And Jesus is standing there watching all that, as are his disciples, his mates. Let's read on a bit. And he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. What's going on there? In that courtyard area were various entrances and exits, large and small. And over in the far right-hand corner was one of the entrances. And people would enter through that entrance over there in the corner from the city. And they would walk through the temple area, the worship area, on their way to do whatever they wanted to do. And they would go through that little exit over there and head up to the Mount Mount Olives where their um, condominium was. So can you imagine it? Through that gate over there, happening seven days a week through the worship area, all the Collingwood and Richmond supporters were off their 65-inch flat-screen TVs they've knocked off from Harvey Norman, and they're taking them through, and they're going out through there, heading up to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus is standing there, and he's probably thinking about a Jewish leader of a few centuries before, who had written about that very thing. Have a look what he said. What reverence is due to the temple, he wrote. 
that no one going to the mountain of the house with his staff, shoes, purse or dust on his feet. Let no one make a crossing through it or degrade it into a place of spitting. And Jesus is probably remembering that too as he's just standing there watching all these worshippers. So here they are doing that, crossing through. Have a look what happens next. And as he taught them, he said, well, circle that. Circle as he taught them. Put an underline, a circle, a funny face, but just put something there. Because what that's saying to me is, when I read it, it jumped out at me, that as he taught them, so his mates and disciples are with him, they've been with him right through this sandwich situation so far, and as the communicator of all communicators, he's been saying to them, look and learn, boys, look and learn. So does that mean that when he had walked into the um, cellars and the exchanges and kicked over the card tables, maybe he hadn't lost it? Maybe he wasn't out of control. Maybe he wasn't actually in a fit of rage, which in a way he was, of course, but he had a point to prove. He had a strategy. It was very intentional. He wasn't caught out. And his disciples, his mates are watching. They're going, oh, we get it. Just a thought. Let's go on and read the rest of that after that. So, as he told him, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called the house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a den of robbers. So Jesus is standing in this courtyard area, this place of people would come from everywhere for, to worship God. And it's supposed to be where all nations can come, people from other countries. They'd come into that courtyard area, but they could go no further because they were not of the Jewish faith or the Jewish religion. So they could only stay in the outer courtyard area where all the bling boys were doing a raging thing. That was actually called the courtyard of the Gentiles. So because I was not of the Jewish faith or religion, I could go to that point and be ripped off for hundreds of dollars and I could go no further. Why? Because as a Gentile, I'm unclean. I'm not one of, the, one of the mob. I'm incomplete. Okay. So here am I in that situation. And Jesus is standing there in the courtyard of the Gentiles. And he looks around at the stone balustrades surrounding that courtyard area the courtyard of the Gentiles. And he sees engraved at various points in Latin and in Greek these words. Let no man of another nation enter inside the barrier and the fence around the temple. Whoever is caught will have himself to blame that his death follows. No wonder he was fired up. Now here's this incident. Let's look at it from a different angle. Let's look at the same incident, but go over this side and look at it and see what else we can pull out of it. And to do that, we have to go to Matthew's account of the same incident. Matthew, being a Jewish tax collector, he writes an account of the same incident. He writes to a Jewish audience, to Jewish readers. So a couple of things that he picks up 
in the same incident, they are onto like that as soon as they read Matthew's account. Let's, let's have a look at it. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. Yep, same as Mark. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. Yep, and it's written, he said to them, my house will be called the house of prayer, but you'll make me a den of robbers. So same, same account up to now as Mark. But look what happens next. And the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. The Jewish readers would have picked up like that that the blind and the lame were not allowed anywhere near the temple area because they were broken, incomplete, unclean, not worthy. And it was considered they had the judgment of God on them. That's why they were in the situation they were in. So emotionally take yourself there and picture Jesus standing there in this area where these people are forbidden. And he, as he boots out the bling boys, the blind and the lame are coming and are drawn to him in this forbidden area. And he's there and he heals them, Matthew records. Who is this man? Who is this man, Jesus, that can do that? Who is this God? And don't get sucked in with that banal waffle that people say in your workplaces and, and other people I've heard say over the decades, oh, Jesus was just a great moral teacher. Let's keep it safe at that level. That's not a... Who is this man that can do that? It has to be God. Let's follow on and see what else Matthew records that gets the Jewish readers arced up. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the kids from God's own and the kids from playgroup and the kids from the village and the kids from the toddlers program and the youth with their exuberance in the youth program and Camp No Fear and the EPs shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. Why is that? Look what he says to them. They say, do you hear what these children are saying? He asks them. He goes, yep. But have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you, O Lord, have called forth your praise. Now, why did the Jewish reader pick up on that? Why did it smack them between the eyes? Because the culture there was children were to be seen but not heard. That's not a bad thing, I reckon. But <laughs> and here's Jesus right there in the hot place and he says, you know what? The laughter and the joy and the prayers and the songs of the EPs and the exuberance of youth and the little toddlers and all that is basically like music to God's ears. It's, it's praise going up to him. And he validates that and he validates the, the value, the extreme value of toddlers and babies and kids and youth and all that and says, hey, who is this man that will stand there against the culture and the religion of the day and say that? What sort of a God is that? Unbelievable. Here's a question for you. 
want you to turn to the person next to you and just talk about, in today's context, in the culture we're in today, what could be a couple of characteristics of a dead fig tree worshipper? What could be some of the possible characteristics of a withered worshipper today? What's a couple of characteristics? Tell the person next to you. Okay, you've had your 20 seconds. I reckon, I reckon a couple of the characteristics in our culture of a withered worshipper has all the front but no food could be someone who carries a sense of entitlement. Because if I think about it, it could be like this. You, God... Check out chick God. Me, customer. Me, consumer. You provide all my needs, everything I need. No pain, no tears. You provide my needs. I want you to provide all my needs for God's own. I want the best of God's own. I want the best of youth. I want the best youth EPs. I want the best Sunday worship. Because I am a self-made man. I have a car with leather seats, sunscreen, both speakers, which my wife doesn't know about, by the way, and all that. So you, God... Customer chick, God. Me, customer, consumer. You produce for me. Which would naturally lead for me to, of course then, you need to entertain me. And in this place of worship, you've got to entertain me because you need to keep me interested. In this place of worship, you, God, check out chick, God, entertain me, best band, Get that big guy off the stage, he's annoying me. Get up a better speaker, he'll just love on me. But you, God, entertain me. Get my attention. And what I reckon is the root of that, the fig tree root underneath, that possible characteristic is being egocentric. Being egocentric, where it's about me, me and me. Because as they say in politics, always back the horse called self-interest. Now I know I've pulled some of your chains today because I can be like that three times over in just the one service. <laughs> or am I the only one that can do that? But I, I, can, I can fall into that myself. Let's look at some of the characteristics of what a, a healthy fig tree worshipper could look like who's got buds of life on them somewhere that's got some things happening because they've been touched by Jesus and there's things happening let's look at some characteristics of a healthy worshipper and a healthy fig tree worshipping community here's a couple of characteristics firstly, they're friendly they are friendly they actually come into place with a bit of a smile on their dial and actually say g'day to people around them no one's smiling back at me Josh I'm in trouble here <laughs> and they realise after a few weeks or a few months or a few years I'm not you anymore I can turn around and say day to people who are coming up behind me and just say day to them along the way the second one is they are invitational 
all nations. A healthy fig tree worshipping place and person has an invitational stance. And I don't know if you've noticed, but in recent years, after we've prayed for decades, we have many people from different nations coming in to this place of worship. And I find that so exciting. We had a group here today in the first service, and I think they were here, a group of people, I didn't get a chance to find out where they're from. Now, obviously from another nation. And I just think, how good's that? How good is that that we get people coming in to worship with us from different nations, whether they were born overseas or their parents were or whatever, and they come here and they, they are really interesting when you have the courage to actually say day to them and you find out about their story and, and how they cook food and what's important in their lives. and It's really fascinating. Invitational. All nations is so good. Another characteristic is that we are God-focused. God-focused. What does that look like? Let me take you wider now. Let's not even talk about Sundays. Let's talk about Monday to Friday. The Apostle Paul talks about in Romans and other places that what we do Monday to Friday are acts of worship. So when you turn up in the workplace and you add value to that workplace, that's an act of service. When you study well at school, that's an act of worship. When you do the best as a teacher, that's an act of worship. When you add value to your friendship networks, that's actually an act of worship. Does that make sense? So, here's the point. If that is true, which it is. How you see God will be reflected in your acts of worship Monday to Friday. If you see God as a checkout chick and he's just there to service Mark's consumer needs because I'm the customer. You God, me, here. That will come out in my acts of worship during the week in my workplace or with my family or with my friends or whatever I'm doing because I see God like this. That's as far as my worshipful attitude goes. When I open up and see a bigger God, everything changes. Here's something I stole some years ago. I'm about to pass it on to you as receivers of stolen goods. Who's up for that? Oh, come on. Come on. I'm going down. You're all going down with me. I read this big, thick book on worship. It was called Doxology, whatever it was. I took copious notes, hundreds of notes, Here's the one line that I still remember decades later. You ready? Get your pen out. This one line. Come on, write it down. Stolen good. Worship is simply responding. Worship is simply responding to who God is. Worship is simply responding to who God is. And your thoughts on God, you'll respond Monday to Friday. Your behaviour will reflect your thoughts on God. And because I get caught up in those three big E's myself, years ago I came across a couple of sentences in the New Testament 
that have kept me heading in the right direction. Many times I get it wrong, Monday to Friday, but these couple of verses bring me back to what it's all about. And these words are this, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you in his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our Saviour be glory and majesty and power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Wow, that keeps me back on track about him, God, me, just Mark. And it helps me in my Monday to Friday world. I hope it encourages and helps you along the way. T is for the Trinity. A healthy worshipping community, we embrace God the Father, the merciful, gracious God the Father. We embrace Jesus Christ who shed his precious blood on the cross for us. And we embrace the Holy Spirit, who Paul calls the Spirit of Jesus in the book of Acts. And we embrace the power of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit empowers us Monday to Friday to do those acts of worship when we don't feel like it. And we're feeling like a victim and we're feeling misunderstood and we're feeling dry. That the Holy Spirit can actually give us the energy to do things that are acceptable acts of worship to God. The art is redemption. A characteristic of a healthy fig tree church or person is that God's heart is to redeem people from all nations. All nations. Now here's a big one. Let's see if I'm the only one that can relate to this one. The E is this. Everyone walks with a limp. Everyone is blind and lame. And I'm talking to those who are worshippers. Because yes, you ask Christ in your life and to cleanse you from sin, and he does. But there's a lot of cleaning up to be done inside Mark. And there's issues inside Mark that makes me walk with a limp on the inside. And that's why I need corporate worship. That's why I need a life group to feed into me and encourage me because I walk with a limp, as does everyone else here, if they're fair income about being honest about their spiritual walk. We all carry a limp. Never get sucked in, young people, that if people are well-dressed, and got professional jobs and drive cars with leather seats and sunscreen and both speak and all that. They've got it all together. But we don't. We, we walk with a limp. It's just on the inside, don't we? Don't we? Now, young people, or if you're a new Christian, if you come across a worshipper who says, I've got it all together, I don't have any struggles, walk away from them. You are talking to an idiot or someone who's being dishonest, and that will not help you. Walk away from them. Does that make sense? The E, the other E, is we are Easter-focused. We are Easter-focused. Paul says, if there's no resurrection, it's game over. There's no hope. Christianity is just another fad. But a healthy worshipper knows that everything comes from the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection, his risen life. Christianity went boom because the early apostles knew that as a fact. It wasn't about the dogma and the denominations. It was about a resurrected Jesus Christ. 
That's why Easter is a really, really big deal to us. Now, the iconic Easter long weekend at Easter is a good thing. But I'm talking about something much bigger than that. I'm talking about a resurrected Christ on Resurrection Sunday. Easter Sunday. It's a really big deal. And I hope you enjoy that. It's meant to be enjoyed. And here's the thing. I'll throw in with the avocados, smashed avocados, three bucks, and you call it roll for a hundred bucks, but you need to go to the exchange table because I need more than that for a hundred bucks. Let me throw in something for free. On Easter Sunday, in, any Vict- in, in the state of Victoria, there's more Christians worshipping a resurrected Jesus than there are at the AFL around the nation over the three days. It's just you don't hear about it on Channel 9 News. Now that's a free one. You can check that out. That's a statistical fact because some worshippers get it. Now here's the big deal as we close. On Resurrection Sunday, we've got a baptism tank here and already there are people lining up to get baptised on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday. How good's that? And some of them are probably driving back from camping grounds and whatever, and they'll probably go back after and have a beer and some steak around the fire and talk about their experience getting baptised. And I'll bring their friends. We, we can't wait for Resurrection Sunday and to see these people who have committed to both services to get baptised. Now, if that's you, and you've asked Christ in your life, and you've obeyed him when he says, follow me, he also says, get baptised. And so I'm saying to you, grab this information out at the Connect Lounge, have a look at it, and join us on Resurrection Sunday. And get baptised if you haven't get, got baptised yet. As I said last week, getting baptised is green light go. It's green light. It's time to go. And if you're meant to get baptised, and last week you were hanging back a bit, oh, I don't know, mate. Now I'm telling you, go get the info. Resurrection Sunday, right there. Green is go, get baptised. Red is for dead fig trees. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your son Jesus had the courage to stand in the hot spots and speak truth and display your supernatural love and power. And Father, just forgive us in our Western minds that we we miss these absolute ripper gold nuggets in your gospel accounts. Thank you so much for Resurrection Sunday. Thank you for a risen Saviour. Thank you for those who are getting baptised already on Resurrection Sunday. May we encourage them during the week and cheer them on towards that too. Amen.